Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Kemet Coleman, who'll be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Kemet, what's up? What's going on? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I got Before we get started, I got to let everyone know that the Startup Hustle podcast is brought to you by Fullscale.io, which is not the business that you and I own together, but it is the business that Matt Watson and I own together. I would love to be the other Matt's body double. Yeah, well, you you look a lot like him. You guys are almost <laughs> like I feel like I'm looking at Matt right wow. now. Wow! But, right. but Kemet, uh, I introduce you as Kemet Coleman, but you're better known as Kemet the Phantom. Who, That's right. And and then what does the Phantom do? The Phantom is an urbanist, a musician, and an entrepreneur. And you know what, man? You're like one of my favorite KC artists. Whoa, that's a huge compliment. Maybe Thanks. even the. Wow. Casey artist. Man. Because I listen to your albums, man. All right. Well, yeah, thanks. Dude. I do. I do. Appreciate I've got a couple. I've got a couple of the, a couple fallback ones. But we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about not only the new album that you just put out, which is called Electric Park. So those of you listening know I want you to keep it interactive. So do me a favor right now and go add that to whatever your playlist is. Like just go. It's on. I, I mean, I added it in my iTunes library. and Yeah. It's out there. It sure is. Sure yeah. as heck is. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. It's been a good good ride so far. How many albums is that now? It's a bunch. Uh, you know, some of those have been tucked away, not for consumption anymore. But I mean, if I were to total all of those, it'd probably be 12. 12 albums? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at like my books and I'm like, God, there's so much work. You know, the best part about writing a book is finishing it. Is that the, exactly. same, is that the same with an album? Oh man, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you that aren't familiar with Kemet's work, um, you can find him under Kemet the Phantom. He also performs as Kemet Coleman. Uh, and you are featured as Kemet the Phantom, but That's yeah, you right. can find Kemet Coleman somewhere. And then... You have a band at times, the Fantastics, and that's, that's right. where the PH. That's right. Those dudes are good too. We we like to party. I like it. They're funky, you know. Like, yeah. And then also, you know, I appreciate um, any music that's like with a live hip hop feel that's got actual musicians and exactly. not just a DJ. And totally. I'm sure you throw that out sometimes too, because oh, yeah. you can't always bring a band with you. But no, yeah. You know, like one of the I remember one of the greatest hip hop shows I ever saw was Jay Z. Mm-hmm. That dude's band is good. I think it might have been the Roots. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it was close. It was yeah. in Indianapolis, and we were in the front row. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. My wife barfed on my shoe that night. I don't, I don't know if we need to elaborate about yeah, that. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> gonna, if she ever listens to this, she's going to punch me. So, yeah. so Kemet, yeah. what's an urbanist? Uh, an urbanist is, you know, I have my own definition of uh, urbanism, but basically I am fascinated with the uh, with the built environment. So that means, you know, how humans uh, interact with our neighborhoods, how we interact with our infrastructure in general, um, and what makes it uh, more efficient, what makes it beautiful, what makes it ugly, what makes it um, equitable, what makes it all of those things. Okay. So music is part of that culture, right? Absolutely. And is, so as an, as an urbanist and a musician, how do those, how do those worlds collide and how, how do you use your art and your music to do any of that? Yeah. I think 
a lot of well, it took me a while to get get here, but um, I've always been fascinated with cities. My family definitely traveled across the country in in a car in a vehicle. Uh, we never really flew a lot, so I got to see a, a ton of different cities. I've been to almost every state except Maine, and um, I got to compare contrast cities. And you know, um, my family wasn't from Kansas City. And so they would always kind of talk trash on KC. They were like, oh, you know, it's not as good. You know, and I was from here. I was the only one, uh, you know, from my, from Kansas City, from my family, except for my other two brothers, but they were much older. So anyway, I started um, gaining appreciation for Kansas City and then thus an appreciation for urbanism because, um, you know, Kansas City had a lot of cool parts about it that, you know, I just kept driving by. Um, so anyway, fast forward to now. Um, my, my, I feel like one of my responsibilities as someone from Kansas city, um, kind of a small market town, but definitely has a lot of legs is to showcase, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, um, that we deal with on a daily basis. And when we walk outside, like, what do we see? What, how does it affect us in our daily lives? What is, how does it affect our minds, um, as, uh, creatives, as entrepreneurs? So, I like to inspire people by just telling stories about what what Kansas City had had to offer. And, you know, a lot of my focus is Kansas City, but I'm also very interested in traveling to other cities and doing the same thing. You know, I was in Savannah, Georgia um, about a year ago and just fell in love with the different um, streetscapes, all of the town squares that they had. Um, it was super walkable. I'm very fascinated with um, all of that. And, you know, how do I tie that in with music? Well, I released an album called Electric Park, which was Electric Park was a theme park um, here in Kansas City that is no longer there. Now it's um, basically a housing project where it was. But it's the theme park that inspired Walt Disney to create Disney World. Um, no one knows that story. And I think that's important. You know, a lot of people don't realize that Walt's from Kansas City. Exactly. I mean, he is like yeah, and. If if we had to pick the most famous person ever from Kansas City, it's probably Walt Disney. It is literally. I Walt mean, Disney. there are other people that are from KC, you know, like uh, well, Tr President Truman, yeah, some other people, but everybody knows Walt. Everybody, and Walt yeah. was kind of wild and crazy. People don't know that exactly. Yeah, I he, actually, he was he he was uh, experimental. We'll, we'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> with his lifestyle and his art. Yeah. So, um, you, now you talk about if you're going to be an urbanist, that means you also need to be a realist, right? Absolutely. Okay. Cause I consider myself a realist. That, yes, like you that's, do. That's my, that's, I mean, it's been in the title, two different books that mm -hmm. I've written and, mm -hmm. um, I've known you for a little while and, um, and you know, just re, you know, I just recently published a book about music and, yeah. uh, and I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a good musician. I mean, I'm not you, I'm not like the guys in the fantastics. Yeah. But I do appreciate what musicians do and the hustle. You yeah. Know, I worked in the music industry for a long time. And, and it's, I mean, that whole thing is like the tip of an iceberg. But when you're a realist, mm -hmm. you have to accept certain things as what they are. And that usually means accepting them as difficult. Absolutely. Which means if you want to do something with it, mm -hmm. you have to accept that it's difficult. Right. And put on your armor and get ready to go. Right. And exactly. Is it easy to be a working musician? No, it is not. Right, yeah. No, it is not easy at all. And for those of you that are listening, you should probably go to the YouTube, the startup hustle YouTube channel and, and look at Kemet's face when that, when that, it's about <laughs> seven and a half minutes is about where we're at. Right. But the, the look, your, your face kind of, kind of said it all there. Cause anytime you, I think a lot of people look at musicians and say, Oh wow, they got discovered. 
right. or hey, well, here they are and blah, blah, blah. The fact is most of those people had been doing it for oh, yeah. a long, long time. Long and it time. started like when you were a kid. Is that how it started oh, for yeah. you? Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely started when, you know, I was 13 years old writing raps for my friend who didn't know he was a rapper. You know, I was yeah. definitely trying to ha- be in a group and make sure that, you know, um, my, my musical inklings were were satisfied so yeah definitely it's started and i'm still doing it and really can't help it honestly yeah i you know music is i think something that calls you yeah it kind of forces you into it and yeah. if you're trying to get into it for any other reason than being passionate about it you're gonna right. fail yeah or you're gonna fail yeah. or you're gonna you know people are gonna see right through that you know and yep. call you fake well, it's hard. You know, some of the things we talked about in the book. So, you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, I just wrote a book called The Realist Guide to Successful Music Career. Mm-hmm. And I had to go way back in my own history. So I used to work for Roland. And yeah. Roland's like just a monster musical instrument manufacturer. And we just had 808 Day. Did you see my 808 inspired shoes? Uh, no. But yeah. were they gold? No, they were not. They uh-huh. looked like they were themed like the Roland 808. Oh, that's cool. Which is an iconic synthesizer. And, you know, if anybody that listens to hip hop has heard somebody talk yeah. about the 808. So August 8th is 808 day. Now, your album came out on August 16th, that's which right. was 816 day, which is the area code. Mm-hmm. That's in KC Mo. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, back to the urbanist thing and the storytelling. True. You know, I think, an and you're an entrepreneur as well, but an all all highly successful entrepreneurs are also storytellers. Yes. In many ways. You're, yes. And the reason why is that, you know, to tell stories is to transfer knowledge, but to tell stories is also to make people aware mm-hmm. and also part of selling anything. Absolutely. You're telling the story about why there's a problem mm-hmm. and why there's a solution and why you're going to help fix that. Yeah. So some of the things, and we breeze right past this, but you're involved in some, um, some stuff here. So Kansas city, and I know a good portion of the people listening aren't in Kansas city, Yeah. but if you've listened regularly, you know, that's where we're at. This is our home. Um, you, you kind of alluded earlier. There's, there's not, Kansas city is not the sexiest name that we can drop for no. cities like mm-hmm. we're not we're not los angeles or new york i don't think we want to be yeah we're right here in the middle of the country and i travel all over and people will be like oh kansas you're, you're, are you a cowboy do you are you from a farm <laughs> i'm like no man i live in a city yeah. like, just like this one <laughs> yeah but you know kansas city has gone through some ups and some downs um kansas city missouri downtown especially yeah. like i mean there was a time growing i mean we didn't go down i didn't go down there 20 exactly years ago, and now it's like the place to be yeah totally so is that so some of the stuff that you're doing is, is involving like the, I don't know if we want to call it redevelopment or improvement or yeah. awareness around, around the Troost Avenue corridor, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was born and raised on Troost, uh, around 75th street. Um, and you know, for it, for those out there, Troost has been the dividing line in Kansas city as far as, um, um, as far as racial uh, development goes, as and, far as, and also somewhat like, the the name that drew the line around like where you could find some different types of scandal yeah you know, absolutely just meaning like i mean growing up here people would always be like how oh, you go down to troost and right yeah find some trouble yeah it's uh, we'll leave it, it that general it was, but it, the was, wild it East. was very it was very <laughs> iconic as far as like the you know the dividing line mentally is what we would talk about yeah no it you know it wasn't a there's not a wall there but you would yeah everybody knew you yeah. know you know yeah. that what it was so so yeah definitely um 
truce is definitely near and dear to me. I think that it can be a beautiful thing. Um, and uh, this going back to the urbanist thing. I mean, one of the things that I tried to focus on as an urbanist is, you know, not only storytelling piece, but oral histories. And, um, you know, a city doesn't have an identity unless it knows its oral histories. Um, so that's what I'm trying to focus on as well is making sure that some of these stories go viral from a word of mouth perspective. I don't really care about, um, you know, honestly, I don't care about fanfare across, you know, um, the media or anything like that. I just want people in their cities to understand that your story is important. Um, and when people, people from out of town come to your city, you need to be able to tell them something that, um, fascinates them and is, that gives you pride and joy, uh, the good, bad and the ugly. So. You know, Kansas City is loaded with stories like that. And I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, can- Kansas City as a metropolitan area is divided by a state line. Kansas yeah. City is largely not in Kansas, people. Yeah. Like, it yeah. is almost like the parts that of, quote, Kansas City right. are mostly in Missouri. Absolutely. And people don't, I also know that there's a downtown K- Kansas City, Kansas, which, yeah. by the way, could use some urbanist upgrades. Yeah, it's getting there. <laughs> um, and then you have Kansas City, Missouri, which is like where the Chiefs are. That's where the Royals are. That's where the Sprint Center is. It's really where right. most of the action is. Yeah. And then and then past that, um, Kansas City is largely suburban. Mm-hmm. But if you look back in the history of things, you know, at one point, Kansas City, and you know, you, there's an area here called Westport, mm-hmm. which was the port mm-hmm. that you would stop at before you really kind of got out to the West. And exactly. you know, the Santa Fe Trail ran through here. There's all kinds mm-hmm. of history. Yeah. Westport all was here before. All kinds of shit. Yeah. To look can... back for Kansas City. Some of it we can be proud of and some of it maybe not. Right. You know, and yeah. like, I mean, there was all kinds of stuff, but there's definitely stories here. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, you know, a lot of things. Yeah, it's a huge history. I've got a Rolodex of information back here. We should not focus on that. My, <laughs> my mom's great great grandfather was once the sheriff of Westport. Are you serious? Isn't that crazy? That is nuts. That's like old. That's like yeah. when it was the, the town of Westport. His name's on that statue. There's wow. a covered wagon statue and Daniel yeah. Boone's name on it. So is his. That's nuts. Daniel Booker. Daniel yeah. Booker. All right. Yeah, man. Good to know. We, just weird, man. I had so, no idea. But people that are from here have a lot of pride here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still have yet to find barbecue that stacks up with us. Yeah. Good if luck. If they'd quit naming shit like Kansas City Masterpiece. Yeah. Like, that's not a good representation of, of our barbecue, by the way. Exactly. But anyway, so, uh, you know, as a as a musician, you're, you're kind of forced to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In Kansas City, especially. Uh, anywhere. Well, yeah, definitely. Because you, you, I, all right. So the book that just came out, The Realist Guide to Successful Music Career, um, I was able to get my co-author, who's the keyboardist in Umphreys McGee, which is a band most people haven't heard of. And they're freaking big. They're huge. I mean, they sold out, filling up Red Rocks three nights in a row. Yeah. Just this last weekend, they played in Indianapolis for 5,000 people. Their fans are the biggest fans. How hard is it to get 5,000 people to pay 50 bucks a head? It's pretty difficult. It's not easy. It's not. I know. Some people I've talked to, they're like, oh, well, are those really rock stars? Yeah, those are yeah. rock stars. You're rock yeah, stars. Yeah, they're rock stars. You're, rock, you're a rock star if you can get a thousand people a night across I know, right? the country. Totally. Like, I mean, that's that's a lot of work. Yeah. Right? I have a history in in, tic- in the ticket business, and mm-hmm. I learned very quickly the difference between what's popular and what people are passionate about. Right. Because I've seen... Uh, 
you know, we, we had deals with teams and venues and I ate front row tickets for bands that had number one hits because mm, no one gave a shit. Exactly. Because they were just popular. Right. Like, I mean, they were just hot for the moment. People weren't exactly passionate about it. And if you want to move people or get them to care or pay a premium for something or any of that, a level of passion has to exist, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, what, I guess that's another thing that I'm focusing on too, just for my own uh, musical career is kind of letting people inside. Um, you know, with the name, the phantom, it's like, who knows, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm either here or not there, you know, are you here right now? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I might That's be, question. I might not be. If you want to see a picture of Kemet here, you can go to at startup hustle podcast on Instagram. Cause I will capture the phantom. Oh no. Photograph. I'm going to do it right now. I got maybe, caught. Maybe take one right now. Here we go. <laughs> so, so there we go. We're, We're taking a picture of you. There you Boom. Guys. I'm a cheese. Boom. All right. Done. <laughs> we have captured the phantom. We did it. So, you know, back to talking about like what, what you do and mm-hmm. some of the, some of the recent reference I had. So in this book that we wrote, which was a bestseller, which was crazy. Well, it was cool. <laughs> Congrats, man. But thanks. Yeah. Um, but you know, Joel, my co-author was able to wrangle all kinds of artists in there. So Huey Lewis. Wow. Dude was huge. He's got like multiple, like international multi-platinum. He was one of the most recognizable names and faces in music in the mid to late eighties. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Huey Lewis, a, yeah. I mean, the, and some people are going, who's Huey Lewis? Like he did the, 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 the main, he really popped when back to the future came out, the power of love. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. was when that was the main thing that really like made him pop. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look back at like, so he had been around for a while before that. Right. And now he's, he doesn't, do a ton of stuff mm-hmm. but the very first thing he said when interviewed was i don't know a goddamn thing about the modern music business because <laughs> it's changed a lot right it changes every day I every mean, hour it's it's cha- in the last decade the and you and i were talking about this before uh we hit record but just like the technology the way like people don't get record deals anymore exactly yeah but 10, 20 years ago, you, that's what, that's you, what needed. you had to do. Yeah. And it was about the record deals. It was about selling vinyl or tapes or, or right. CDs. Yeah. And 20 years ago, the enemy yeah. was anything shared. Right. And now, totally. and now that's, the, that's the key. Exactly. Yeah. No, it really is. I mean, I kind of grew up in a, in a weird, t- weird spot because I remember those days. Yeah, you know, so do I. When it was that. But I'm still young enough to like be fully ingrained in this whole share sharing uh sharing industry now it's much different is you know it really it really takes either a large amount of money to get to where you need to go um or you need to have something really special and when you say large amount of money i mean the the there are still record labels and and, yeah. all the, and they push you know they're they're pushing the brand right but you know the thing that i like about the thing that's that's uh these changes is it's i feel like it's pushed things back to live yeah it has like you got to be good live Live. and you got to put out a good show absolutely because i mean for a while there that was a little questionable yeah i mean and you know record record companies and disney and places like that they're still going to create your stars yeah my daughter loves jojo siwa but doesn't know why yeah it's just she's there yeah and and, and it's i'm not sure that she's 
super talented. I went and saw her live. It was exactly okay. Yeah. <laughs> went and saw the uh, new kids on the block in the full scale suite. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Just like I, you weren't there for that. I one, wasn't. You? No. What was the last one you came to? Was that a Sean? Sean Mendez. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good example. So yeah. that that's actually a perfect example. Yeah. He was a Vine star. Oh, was he? Does Vine even, even exist anymore? It doesn't, does it, it? Not technically, but all of the kids still enjoy Vines and they still watch them. So Vines were what? Like that was like seven seconds or 10 or something. It was something short. Yeah, it was 15, I think. Yeah, so that's like that. what that's where he came from. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, and, I thought he was a great. I thought I like. I enjoyed the show. Well, actually. but he and he, but he played music well. Right. He's kind of pretty. Oh well, yeah. I mean, the girls were screaming for. Yeah, him. all the girls loved it. There was like, oh my god, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure there were some guys that there, loved it too. There though. was a, there was a, that like backed up to another show. What was it? I don't know, man. But, I don't remember. You know, so he was he he was good. He performed well. Yeah, you know, he was a great performer. Filled up a probably sold fifteen thousand tickets that night. Easy. Did really well with that. Yeah. Um, and then that same month, I saw the the uh, new kids on the block mm-hmm. come back, and they were with Salt and Peppa and Naughty by Nature. Wow. And Tiffany. Tiffany. I think we're alone now. Oh yeah, my god, yeah. that might have been before my time. And Debbie Gibson. Okay. Do you remember Debbie Gibson? I don't think yeah, so. That was like maybe like that was in probably like sixth grade. Oh. But they were examples of radio oh, one hit wonders. Sure, yeah. So like Tiffany and Debbie Gibson, they it, both had like a couple hits, and then they came and they went. But okay. those were driven by radio. Yeah, exactly. So there was they, a machine. You get popular on yeah. the radio. Now that was like a whole different ball game. Exactly. Like the promoters and people they go they go around and yeah. hey play this album, and then you know, they pull the record out, and there'd be a, you know five or six hundred dollar bills in there to kind of entice you to want to play it a little more. But you can't do that now. It's you like can. where do you listen? I'm I'm waiting for radio to get to a crippling to crippled point where I can say like I think it's there, man. Well, yeah, it's almost there. I, can, I still can't go up to them and be like, hey, just play this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop names, but you know, radio is struggling compared to podcasting and stuff like that. Like we were talking about or earlier, talking about how easy it is to put out content. Mm-hmm. So I have friends that do radio and they, they do podcasts with it. And yeah. we have equal to or more listeners here on startup hustle. It makes a lot of sense, which is crazy well, though. I don't have a radio tower, Kemet. I know what do you, you kind of do though. I, well, that's my point. We yeah. do. It's called the internet. <laughs> exactly. And that's cool though, but I think you got to just kind of get get out there and do it. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it just comes down to good content. Like I don't listen to a lot of radio because like the commercials they have are terrible. If they had good commercials, I'd listen maybe. Yeah, the commercials are terrible, and then sometimes the actual like the mission. Right. You know, yeah. like the whole mission of this is to like try to help entrepreneurs out, and right. startups, and and obviously have interesting content. But yeah, also sure. kind of tell those stories, and and at the same time not make it a. Uh, this isn't supposed to be an interview show. Yeah. It's supposed to be like convers- conversations. conversations. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, radio, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I'd be scared a little bit. If I, if I ran the radio. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, because, yeah. I mean, I don't listen to radio. I haven't listened to radio in my car for 10 years. I listen to like case or NPR. That's yeah, about it. sure. But you can do, you don't even need your radio to exactly. do the same thing. Totally. So NPR. So yeah, that's, that's gone through a, a pretty serious metamorphosis, but really in the end is the way to make music as a musician now on the stage. Yeah. I mean, I would say to have the biggest impact, like you have to have a, um, a great live performance. Mm-hmm. I think so. At least either that, or you need to have some type of movement that's outside of the music itself. Such as? 
Well, I mean, just like, be like being associated with something like having the, the quote tribe. Yeah. Having the tribe, you know, I think, um, whether it's, you know, or just having an interesting story or like interesting association or interesting part about you, like a, if you're a dancer or, mm-hmm. and you do like more than one thing, I mean, there's some artists out there that, you know, some visual artists that are performing artists that they don't tap into the visual art. And I'm like, do you need to yeah. tap into that? Like, you know, make that a thing. Yeah. Well, on the, especially on the live. I mean, yeah, exactly. The whole live, the whole live thing has really, 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 um, you know, that's, you're competing with so many different things. Yeah, It's totally. hard to get people to get up and get out. Right. You know, and I mean, even things like, like the NFL mm-hmm. is struggling with that because yeah. they created such an amazing product on TV and then couple that with things like fantasy football. And oh like, man. Yeah. You know, I just rather stay and, home and watch and it on very TV. comfortable couches. Yeah. On my couch. I don't have to deal with a <laughs> 4k rowdy shit. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I don't have to go anywhere, but the problem is, is, is they're competing with themselves. Exactly. So they have a hard time filling up these big, big, big stadiums. Well, that's why I guess they brought in Jay-Z. Yeah, maybe. Was it too- Did they? Oh, man. Is oh, you didn't key? hear about Jay-Z? No, uh-uh, no. Yeah, I mean, it was part like a, a, a deal to kind of address some of the stuff that um, Kaepernick is talking about. Uh, but also, you know, there's the Live Nation piece about that, too. Sure. You know, the performances, the halftime shows, all of that. Well, and then Live Nation, and for those of you, you know Live Nation. I mean, Live Nation and Ticketmaster are the same company now. So the uh, And they couldn't compete with each other. So several years ago, they merged. Yeah. And they did that while in the while I was in the midst of the ticket business. So they took the the largest event promoter and venue owner, and then had to merge it with the largest ticketing platform because they're trying to compete against each other, and they were terrible. Yeah, they were terrible at it. Honestly, if Live Nation wasn't so bad at their own ticketing system, I might not have ever gotten into that business. Wow, it's a completely That's different crazy. Story. You can think- read about that in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom. I won't bore everyone with it. So, yeah. um, so obviously, you know, so much of what we're talking about is marketing. Yeah. So how totally. do you, how do you market yourself? Like, I mean, what's if, uh, whether let's just talk about marketing in general and mm-hmm. creating hype. It's tough well, to do. It is tough to do. And and what I'm doing now is just not turning down any opportunities to, 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 to be in front of people. You know, I think a lot of, a Tip lot of t- one, be in front of people. Absolutely. Get out there. Cause you know, one of the things that you can learn from any, any, uh, person running for an office if you're not out in front of the the the, if you're not in front of the the community if you're not a part of it then you know people won't shaking babies and kissing hands or the (laughs) other way around right yeah i'll try not to shake the babies but um but yeah it's just so so basically what i'm doing now is just uh it's making sure that i'm out there as as much as possible and you know going on on radio shows going on podcasts like you speaking to people and a lot uh, the other thing that i'm doing that's now, how we met yeah yeah that, that's true it was like three years ago global that's entrepreneur right. week yeah that's right yeah yep so the other thing i'm doing now and that's the reason i was doing that just to get out just to get, get out yeah there. and then other things too i think you learn a lot because yeah. you we're, what we're talking about is uh, global entrepreneurship week mm-hmm. and with that i'd signed up to give a couple presentations and i can't remember which one you and your wife came by i think yeah. you had been to maybe even more than one that week i think i did three or four of them which was a tough week because i got really sick the week before and i barely oh, had crap. a voice but um you know talking about being in front of people it's you know but there's more what you can do you can be in front of people a lot of different ways now mm-hmm. yeah and one it doesn't of, even have to it doesn't have to be in person it, oh yeah it doesn't yeah. i mean with the internet and you gotta you, know. you got it so you have to be consistent yeah and you have to you have to entertain mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. have to educate or you have to invoke emotion 
That's right. That's the big one. Yeah. And, and then I think the biggest th- thing that people make mistakes about is the so what content. Hmm. What do you mean? Just like, so what people are like, so many of the posts that people make, mm-hmm. like you got to get people engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, that Joel from Humphreys has really, really, really taught me a lot about over the years is, is the concept of tribe building. Yeah. And you know, your tribe is your vibe. Mm-hmm. But anytime you can get people involved and the discussion begins or is centric around something you started or something you do. So, so what content is like, Hey, I'm eating potato chips today. Yeah. Like, okay. So what? Yeah. So what? But you know, the, an, a, an exa- a different example of that would be like, you know, okay, if you really need to make a post about potato chips, you're like, man, you know what? The sour cream and onion ones are great, but what, what real, what are the chips that really get you up? Like (laughs) what, which potato chips would you eat for breakfast? Oh, that's not. So what that's now you're getting someone involved and now the debate starts. And like my first one of those was, uh, made a video about people that pour in the milk before the cereal. Oh God. There's people that ever do that. I don't know, but you know what? The moment I found out about it, I was like, what? No way. It like didn't even make sense to me. It was like, it, it just couldn't occur. My stepson does that. But dude, those people are like really adamant about defending why they do it. You know, I had a, I had somebody argue with me on Facebook about like when to put on the peanut butter on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But dude, that's, but the thing is, <laughs> is all right. So the, the point is, is now, now you're centric yeah, and they're exactly. talking, they're, they're talking, talking yeah. about you. So like as a musician with Umphreys mm-hmm. and Umphreys McGee and these guys did a great, cause tw- they've been around for 20 in January, it'll be 21 years. Mm-hmm. And 20 years ago, we just mentioned you weren't sharing, you weren't, nothing was open source about the music. They went the opposite route. They said, come to our shows, record it, right. give it to your friends, right. do whatever you will even make it easy. We'll give you, we'll even give you a, a section of the venue where you can come set up your recording gear. Oh, that's cool. So they open sourced it. I like that. And they saw, and now that was, you know, something that the Grateful Dead and Fish had kind of done before them, but the result was people were passing their tapes around and their music and they were talking about it. Mm, I like that. And even though you'll often, people will often be critical mm-hmm. and the, and the jam band fans are the worst. They're like, <laughs> I can't believe Jake missed a note in that third song. Like, <laughs> like it ruined the whole night for him. Right. Yeah. But, the point is, is they're talking about you yeah, and totally. they're talking about what you do. But the whole goal with it, with building your tribe is you want them to be, to eventually find as much, if not more value in their interaction with each other. Right. As they do with whatever you're putting on stage. Totally. And that's the beautiful part about what I've been trying to do lately is get people around each other that are like-minded and, and not like-minded and people that can engage with each other. Yeah. You know, and really kind of have a conversation around what what I put in the center for them to talk about. It's really cool. So one of the things I've been doing lately is listening parties. Mm-hmm. And um, so instead of performing the album, I'll play it and then I'll talk about each song. I'll, I'll have people ask questions if they want to talk to each other about it. They can do that if they want to. Because it was cool at the Electric Park listening party. I had people ask a question then another person would ask them a question and then yeah. they would ask me a question. And that's and, the, that's, that's the example that's mm-hmm. tribe building because exactly. it gets people involved. And, and, and the thing is, is, well, you're not, people aren't always going to agree. Right. Expecting them to, or expecting them to think everything you do or that you say mm-hmm. is perfect or awesome is also not a reasonable expectation. It's not. And honestly, it's the best way to fail. Yeah. Oh, well, and we talk about some of that in the book. Like you can't like the one way to really, uh, so not everyone's going to like every song you put out. Exactly. Is every song you write awesome? No. 
Yeah. No, it's like, not. Okay, you accept that, right? There's songs that I've forgotten that I've made. And yeah. people are like, oh, what about that? I'm like, oh, what song is that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love every one of them. But you can't be, if people are like, I don't like the song, you can't be like, yeah, but my your best shit ain't better than my worst shit yet. You can't yeah. just like come out and say that online because people are like, that would be a terrible reaction. It would be. It'd be it, 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 you know, it would be a, a reaction. Song, but it would be a terrible reaction because you have to be, a, you know, you have to be kind of practical about it. Oh, totally. Um, sometimes you can be funny with it too. Like there's a YouTube video of, of Joel Cummins of Humphreys McGee and he's mm-hmm. reading mean tweets. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. I wish I had mean tweets. <laughs> he's like just reading them like almost in like a narrative style. Yeah. See, that's the other thing is you need to find haters. I need to find more haters. They, but dude, they, okay. So let's look at uh, earlier this year or whenever it occurred, like Machine Gun Kelly and mm-hmm. Eminem. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. Who benefited from that? Machine Gun Machine Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. but yeah, just saying. Right. You know, like, yeah. and, and I think some of that's intentional. Yeah. I have a feeling there was a call somewhere. I'm like, sure. Hey, man, did you see all this hype we created? Right, yeah. What's this worth? Right. Let's drop an album now. Yeah, let's do an album. Because <laughs> they sure did have those songs ready fast. Oh, yeah. They weren't playing around. Yeah. they. I mean, they were ready fast. Yeah. Like, you know how hard it is. Dude, you don't record some of those songs in like a day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I wrote the lyrics. I smoothed it out. I made a video. Right. <laughs> you did all this in like three days? Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's tough. So. Yeah. Okay, so you've been doing this for a decade. That's right. We didn't even get into this earlier, but you I mean you've you've performed and made music with people like Tech Nine, yeah. the mayors, the mayor, well, the the last mayor, I guess Clinton's yeah. the new mayor now. He's yeah. been in here. Yeah, yeah, that's another. Um, but you know, Mayor Sly James gave you a streetcar for a day <laughs> to do a video in. That was pretty cool. I love that video. That was by fun. The way. And what's that song? That song called "Get Out." Get right? Out. Yeah. The KC streetcar song. Uh, the streetcar song. That's yeah. a good video, by the way. Thank you. Um, so, some of this all has contributed to the longevity. The longevity. What do you think the keys are? As uh, all right, so you you as a musician, you are on a personal branding mission. Yeah, up and That's above right. anything else, right? That's right. So, what are some keys to longevity for that? Like, what what do you think it takes to to last? Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's the question I'm faced with every day I wake up, you know, how to stay relevant. Me and too. Not, yeah, totally. Trust me, me too. I bet, man. Um, and it's not just how to stay relevant, but how to, you know, because relevant, you're you're still on tedium. You know, you really want to go on an upper trajectory. Well, you, you, well that's your, the exact thing that was just in my head. It's like you have to be, if you're not doing something better than what you've done before, exactly. then like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, he's kind of on the decline. Exactly. Even if you're like leveling <laughs> out, you're still declining. Yeah, in my opinion. They, well, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. That's right. right. So I'm just trying to find different ways to tap into more of a on the uh, evoke more emotion out of um, my fan base um, because I, I have a great fan base. I love all my fans. Thank you guys. Um, but I would love for for a very uh, for a more verbal um, fan base, people that are are willing to to really um, um, connect with other people about the art that's being put out, put, put out there. But I think the biggest thing for me is to just make sure that they have all the tools they need to do that. And I realize that I haven't been doing that. I haven't been giving them those tools. I haven't been giving them the stories that they need to tell the, the, the visuals that they need to share the, all of that. So I'm just trying to make it more of an effort to um, make content that's um, relevant to to myself but also relevant to my fan base and people that are 
that have been there since day one, but also people that are new. And I want to, I want to, I want them to, to engage with each other and kind of build a community, build a tribe, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's really what I'm focused on. And that's tough to do, man. Like, you know, if you, whether it's a, as a musician or starting a podcast or writing a book, you do, you know, all right. So I'm three books in, I'm not, I'm not at 12 yet. Yeah. I'm going to catch up. (laughs) I'm going to try, but yeah, it's hard. It's a lot of work, man. It doesn't just, ha- well, I could probably write a book in a month and put it on Amazon. Oh, sure. It yeah. wouldn't be that good. Yeah. It takes, it takes a while oh, to kind of smooth these things out and you got to kind of go through a process. But so many people have talked to me about, they're, they're like, yeah, you know, I'm going to write a book and I want to write a book. And I, and I almost always say, and I don't mean, I'm not trying to sound like a dick. I say like, well, how come you haven't written one yet? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't started yet. Right. I'm like, well, you just told yourself exactly what you need to do. You need to start. Exactly. What do I need to do to start my book? You need to start writing. Yeah. Go home right now and start writing. And just stuff. do it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I, where I was on electric park because, you know, as things change in my life, you know, I, you know, I just, I, I used to be able to crank out content every you single day. You went kind of up and down on that, didn't you? Because, like, yeah. honestly, like, I'll call you out a little bit here. Like, Do I it. think you were kind of like, uh, I mean, maybe earlier this year or a year ago. I don't know. We're friends on social media. Mm-hmm. You were either frustrated, oh yeah, or something wasn't happening because you were like, man, I, I you made a comment once. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to do an album again. Yeah, exactly. Something along those lines. Yeah, like, what, I mean. And, and if you don't feel that once a day, then, you know what I'm saying? like Entrepreneurs do. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, most people that meet me will describe me as, as confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm well endowed with all the doubt I need, buddy. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, trust me. Yeah. Like, it is, uh, it is uh, there's no one mm-hmm. that isn't. Exactly. So, what was sparking some of that? Were you just kind of like, I don't know, man. I think just, I was just in a creative rut. And honestly, can't like force it. Yeah, you can't force it. And I was just I was just mad that I wasn't able to to like the the muse just wasn't there. So um, I teamed up with with Lenny and, you know, with Lenny, the guy, executive producer of mm-hmm. Electric Park um, and really got a lot of those creative juices going. I was frustrated because I was like, dude, why isn't this coming? Like, why isn't this working right now? Um, I felt like I had erectile dysfunction for a second <laughs> and I was just a uh, musical but erectile there's not, dysfunction. There's not a blue pill you can take there, that, there really, will, that will fix that as a musician. I say the same thing about writing. Like you, that's the hardest part. Like you can't just, I can't just say, okay, from three to five, I'm going to write a book today. Exactly. Can yeah. You? No, no. Like it's, and it's so weird too. Cause all right. So in the last book that came out, this is crazy. And I don't think I could ever do this. I wrote 12,000 words of that book in, in a 24 hour period, dude, it was like literally on fire. Like I told my wife, yeah. I was like, I need you to just leave me alone. Yeah, totally. Does that happen for you too? Oh like, yeah. 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 It, when I get in that zone, I just gotta keep, I got it. I think that's a, the, the most important thing I've learned about being creative or feeling inspired over the years is, is when it comes, you have to wrap your arms around it and you hold on to it for as long as you can exactly. because you do not know when it's going to happen again. Sometimes right. like they're in short, they're, they can, it can happen close. Mm-hmm. And then some people like the, your last, your last, uh, um, feeling of inspiration may have been your last. Exactly. You never know, man. Exactly. So is that what was going on? Man, yeah, and I was overthinking everything, mm-hmm. and I, w- this was actually the first album where I just let it flow. I was just like, you know what, That's I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna revise this eight times because when I do that, it's completely different from the first, mm-hmm. from the original thought, and people won't, un- they, like, people just won't attach to it. Because same thing with writing, 
Mm-hmm. I tell people, I'm like, they're like, well, what if I had to give you one tip about writing a book, I would say, do not look in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Just write as much as you can and then go back and Just figure go. it out. Because every time you go and look back, yeah. you go to fix something. Like, dude, that's what an editor is for. Exactly. And so gonna my, my editor is like your producer. Yeah. I've used the same editor on all three books. His name is Patrick Price. If you want to check him out, go to askabookeditor.com. Okay. He's been the uh, editor on a dozen New York Times bestsellers. And one of them was that, remember that movie, He, uh, she's just not that into you. Or, mm-hmm. He discovered that. Wow. He was the editor on that. I mean, that sold millions of copies, became wow. a movie that grossed like 60, 80 million. But I don't know. It did yeah. a lot. But, yeah, it was hot. But he'll, uh, yeah, he does a good job because it's kind of like that muse. That producer does the same way. It's a producer's job to make you uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And be like, nope, That's, you're not, nope, you're not going to do it this way. You're going to do it this way, but I've never done it that way. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. is that what Lenny did for That's you? That's exactly what happened, you know? And it wasn't, it was, it was a very, it, it, that's my brother. You know, it, there was nothing hate, hateful about it at Is all. he literally your brother? No. Okay. No, no, no. But okay. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. We're, we're close like that. Sure. Um, and yeah, he did challenge me. And, and, and at some point, it'll even piss you off. I got pissed. You'd be like, fuck you. I'm not doing it like that. I mean, here's the Could deal. Could you try it at least once? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did do some things where I was just like, oh, that's different. All right. Well, that's cool. But but that's a building block to like 10 other things that's just, I don't know, man. Well, what it allowed me to do was focus more on the larger concept and not so much on the technical side. And that's where I think, I mean, I enjoy the technical technical side, but I'm more of a high level person. You know, I'm, I'm more of a dream big and chase after the big dream instead of like the underpinnings of everything. So that and my all my previous albums, I've done n- nuts to bolts. Just completely myself. Yep. Um, this was the first time. But that's tough. It is. You get so close to it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and that's the same thing. Like, it's hard to let that. People go. said that about books. They're like, oh, I don't need an editor. I'm like, No, you do. Yeah, you do. Your book's gonna suck if you don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm not saying all my albums have sucked. I'm just saying they're very, very raw. Yeah. Compared to this one, because no, they're good, man. Like, I mean, I've I've enjoyed them. Thank, yeah, but, but you can get too close to it. Yeah, that, exactly. That level of objectivity is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes with producers, producers do weird shit, like with music. You know, yeah. like they just have strange ideas. They're like, right. "Here's a jar full of pennies. I want you to rattle this in this microphone that's like <laughs> sitting behind a shower curtain." You're like, "Why? Don't yeah. ask why. Just, just do it. Just do it." Yeah. And you maybe you use it, maybe you don't, but it's just like weird stuff like that. Well, I mean. Producers are a good producer is a fortune teller. You yeah. know, I think they're they're able to cast, you know, into the future and say, hey, when this releases, this is going to be hot. You know, it might not sound it might sound weird right now, but when this thing drops, people are going to be like, oh, shit, like this is awesome. So that's kind of where I was instead of being stuck in this, like in the beginning stages and like down in the mud like I usually am um, from, you know, mixing, mastering to producing to writing to releasing to marketing like all of that um i was able to focus more on like the entire concept um and the visuals because i'm also a visual artist like i love visual art i'm a graphic designer and stuff like that too so i got to, i was able to collaborate with a photographer uh, a script writer you know from my album cover and i made a color palette i was able to like put the colors on a downtown building and like i wouldn't have been able to do this if it wasn't for him what's harder naming your album or making the cover art <laughs> None of those or, are, or naming your band. Uh actually I'm 
none of those have actually been very difficult for me. Yeah, well, because you're lucky because most people like you've never seen a band fight more. Oh, really? Than trying to figure out the band name. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of fell into place with the Fantastics. It was kind of just a beautiful thing. But every every dude in Umphreys McGee will tell you that they regret naming that band Umphreys McGee. Are you serious? Yeah, because it's not. It, they they'll all tell you. I mean, this isn't something like. I mean, I'm not talking shit here. This is just a fact. They're like, we sound like an Irish bar band. <laughs> that's kind of true. I mean, it is, but it's like you know, that's just like where it started and yeah. it stuck. And you know, it's I think- like. Any two names that sound like two last names are very catchy. So sure. I think. Well, it definitely made them stand out, but it it it, it doesn't. I don't know. Like they they've all like every member of that band. I've known those dudes for over a decade and still hang out with them and whatever. And they'll all tell you they'll tell you the same thing. That's hilarious. So we should have picked a different name. Yeah. I said, well, why didn't you? I said, I don't know. It's just where we started. We didn't. Sometimes you start stuff and you don't realize you're still going to be doing it. 20 yeah. Years later. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of some of the, how the best stuff starts. Yeah. Well, as long as you put a movement behind it, like honestly, the name's not going to matter. So a couple things here. Mm -hmm. So you've had, you've, you've had billboard hits. You've had a number, you've been number one on iTunes and in the jazz category. Mm -hmm. I mean, congrats, by the way. Thank you. That was a huge day. Do people don't realize how, okay. So I, I did the same thing. So there are 32 million books for sale on Amazon right now. Wow. And I look at like the day our book came out, it was like, it climbed up to like the 3000th most popular book on Amazon. And like, and then I showed my dad that and he was like, he was like, that does, it doesn't seem that great. And I'm like, Are I you serious? Start, I, well, I mean, he, he was like, yeah, but yeah, he's like, he didn't really really, cause people don't really realize the scope of like how much is out there. Yeah. True. I mean, that was the one top that was nine 99.999. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it doesn't, it's hard to stay there, but like, right. there is a sea of content out there. And the yeah. same thing with music and people are just making more of it. And oh my it God. On. You have the whole entire history of yeah. music. So that's why it needs to be bigger than the music, bigger than a book. Yeah. I say the same thing about a business. I say, if you're going to, uh, you need to try to make your business bigger than you. Yeah. Cause that's something that matters. Like would it, have you built something that would la- outlast you? Right. Remove yourself. Well, look at some of the, the hits. I mean, like some of the things we'll still listen to, like, I mean, the quote, we'll just use classic rock as an example. Like mm-hmm. well, those dudes aren't around anymore. That music's still popping. Yeah. And there's totally. a lot of shit that's been forgotten. Absolutely. So I have this theory that the world's greatest album was never heard. Okay. Cause it was marketed poorly. Absolutely. Do you think that that could be true? Oh, that's definitely true. Okay. And that, like, like I think that's the, the, kind of a key point like you got to market what you're doing you got to do you got to get out there you got to like i said invoke emotion you got to well so i say i democate which is demonstrate and educate okay i like that you 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 demotain or edutain or edutain edutain yeah edutainment yeah that's about about some of the urbanist stuff and like Mm -hmm. a lot of your a lot of your music does hit hit those topics so do me a favor and go to wherever you listen to music and, and throw Kim at the Phantom in the search and do it. just download all of them mm-hmm. and check them out. Yeah. Um, start from, start from the very beginning and get to electric park. Like you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll be on a wild ride. I like <laughs> some of my favorites. I like the streetcar song, get out. Thanks. I like that's just funky. It's, it's, it's a fun yeah. song. Do you know we use the, one of the episodes of startup hustle? That's the outro. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
nice. this. Yeah. And it, I, I, cause it's like, I got a pocket full of hundred dollar bills. Yeah. Like, Who wants to get paid? Who wants to get laid? Yeah. And I was like, Hey, me. Uh, yes. Paid and laid. Right here, right here. Hand up in the air on that one. And then, uh, I like, uh, what is it? Pour some liquor out. Yep. Pour some liquor. Yeah. That's like uh, one of my gym songs. Yeah. It pumps yeah, you so up. Thanks. I mean, I'm 44 years old. I don't get so pumped up as, as much as I just need to like actually get up. <laughs> yeah. I just get so I like that album too. And what was that? That was, that was called The Invisible Man. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, just started listening to Electric Park. I nice. Dig it. I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. It's a, it's a sonic. It's a interstellar. Yeah, isn't there a payphone song in there? Yeah. What's a payphone? I don't know. Yeah, like, my kids have no idea what they are. You know, it's funny because my wife's uh, tw- 11, 12 years younger than me. And I was mm-hmm. telling her a story once. I was like, yeah, when I grew up, I had a Bee Gees record player and it played 45s. Wowzers. My wife was like, how old are you? <laughs> it's like she had never listened to vinyl. Oh, really? Comple- I mean, yeah, completely missed that whole era. Wow. Which is crazy. That's so, nice. Do you put your albums out on vinyl? I want to. Have you? I haven't yet. I have a bunch of Unfreeze albums on vinyl, actually. Oh, wow. And they put them out and they make them like really like vibrant colors. Like oh, I've got cool. some orange ones, some uh, like green ones. If you put a light behind them, they look really wild. But they're all awesome. signed by the band. They're framed. and Yeah. I definitely want to do that. You know, I'm, I'm totally for that. Especially because... You know, another thing that I'm trying to do as far as like putting music out there is I want to I want to drop an album. That's fine. Everybody can consume that, but then release something else that one either you can hold or you can download exclusively yeah. that has more content. That's what I like about it. It's like you used to be able to hold it. Yeah. And now it's all digital. Now it's like, all digital. If the internet just yeah. disappears, so, yeah, then we'll, what happens? We'll the complete archive of music. Yeah. Go with it. So yeah. anyway, go check out Kemet the Phantom, download his songs, mm-hmm. check him out, get, share him with someone, do something. Uh, are you, are you Kemet the Phantom on, on, yeah. on the gram and yep. other places? On IG, I'm Kemet the Phantom. I spelled K-E-M-E-T, mm-hmm. the Phantom. Just like the title of this, of uh, this episode. That's right. Kemet the Phantom, which you can see. I've, I've captured a picture of the Phantom. It's on the at Starter Puzzle podcast, Instagram. Yep. For the first time. Uh, if you get a chance, you need some help building the stuff that you need to make your entrepreneurial dreams come true, check out fullscale.io. We help people find programmers and make dreams come true. Wow. Yeah. Amazing stuff you got going, man. Thank work, you. Man. I can't believe how big it got mm-hmm. so fast and a couple uh, coming up on a couple hundred employees. It's full scale, man. It, dude, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Watson's over there right now, man. That's, that's, oh, that's right. We traveled 8,500 miles to to find the resources that we need as entrepreneurs. Wow. We went to where they're plentiful so we can mm-hmm. make them affordable for the other people around. There's aren't people to do these jobs, man. It's gonna be, been kind of tough. So. Wow. But yeah, if you want to check us out, if you want to check me out on Instagram, you can go to at DeCourcy Matt. I'm not quite as exciting as all the other stuff. But anyway, Kemet, thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Looking forward to seeing y'all on the next episode. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.